we're beginning to be a dying church. And so it's important for us to minister to uh, those families. And, and um, we're doing some things right now. We've got some things on the back burner that we're looking at uh, for the near future. And we want to continue to minister uh, to our young families. Uh, here in the book of 1 Timothy, we started the book series in 1 Timothy. And we're looking at the, the Apostle Paul, who is speaking to this young man, Timothy, possibly 30 to 35 years of age, and he left Timothy in Ephesus uh, to ordain elders, to, to uh, bring pastors into the church at Ephesus there, and to deal with some problems. Last week we saw one of the main problems, the first thing that he dealt with, was false teaching of false teachers that can spring up in the church. And I asked the question, could it ever happen that we could have false teachers teaching here in Hollywood Baptist Church? And the answer, of course, is yes, if we're not careful to make sure that we understand the truth of God's Word and we're making sure that we vet those that are teaching uh, in here, and even in the next pastor, if the Lord does not come back first, there's coming a time in which I won't be here anymore. And um, unfortunately, that's the way these birthdays work. Um, but at that point, the church is going to have to call another man to stand here. I pray that it will be a man that will take the Word of God and teach and preach the Word of God to you faithfully. That is the key. Uh, it is so important that we that stand true to that. <clears throat> but Paul left him there to deal with some of these things. And the next thing we read here in 1 Timothy, uh, beginning in chapter 1, verse 12 and following, is that Paul gave thanks for God's grace and mercy for him in salvation. You remember that Paul, well, that was not his name to begin with. He was named Saul. And Saul was a Pharisee. And he was uh, probably a Pharisee of the Pharisees, uh, as that goes, and persecuted the church of God. And it wasn't until after his salvation that God changed his name to Paul and called him as an apostle, uh, representing the Lord Jesus Christ as a minister unto the Gentiles more than to the Jews. So we have this thing, so this good news that he is uh, giving thanks for, the gospel, uh, and sharing that that good news of the gospel can transform any person's life. If it can transform the man named Saul, bring him into salvation, it can save anybody. Praise the Lord for that. Billy Sunday, some of you recognize the name. Billy Sunday was a hard-drinking professional baseball player in the early days of the sport. Walking down the street one day in Chicago with several of his teammates, he came across a man preaching on a street corner. They stopped to mock the preacher, uh, but something the preacher said struck a response chord in Billy Sunday's heart. He embraced Jesus Christ as his Savior and went on to become a noted evangelist, used by God greatly. In verses 12 through 17, Paul gave his testimony that we're going to see this morning. He shows that uh, he viewed himself as a supreme example of God's saving grace. As I said before, uh, he was one that you would think 
No way that a man like that would ever get saved. No way would God ever save a man that would be like that, persecuting the church of Jesus Christ. And yet, God saved him. It was by his saving grace. You know what grace means? It is the good that God gives us that is undeserved by us. We do not deserve God's goodness. We do not deserve God's forgiveness. Nobody does. I've entitled the message today simply Paul's personal testimony. It can be divided into three parts. What Paul used to be, how Paul got saved, and then what became of Paul there, what he became of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that as we look into your word this morning, that you allow me freedom to be able to share clearly the truth that you played upon my heart. I pray that as we look into this truth, you would open our eyes to understand how clearly these things are laid out, and that we would understand not just uh, the truth of the passage, but Lord, how that relates to us. What are we to do in light of what we learned today? And I ask that you would help each one of us to listen very carefully, that we would not be distracted by anything in our minds or around us, but that we would listen carefully to your word. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In verses 12 and 13, what Paul used to be, he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who enabled me, for the account he faithful put me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. We'll stop right there and we'll see a little bit about uh, Paul before he was saved. He was a Jewish rabbi. He was very zealous for God. Uh, at least so he thought. Over in Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6, we have a description that Paul gives about himself. In Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse, I mean chapter 3, beginning in verse 4, he says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any man, other man, thinketh that he hath where he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal persecuting the church, uh, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He went on to, to share there with us how he was viewed. And the other Pharisees would have held him up and said, hey, this is a great model of a man that fears God and serves him, and, but he was not saved. We could say that he was religious, but he was not right with God. He was persecuting God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet at the same time, he thought he was serving God. <clears throat> he misunderstood. Acts chapter 8 and verse 3, Paul said, uh, As for Saul, he made a habit of the church, entering into every house and hauling or dragging away men and women, committed them to prison. Acts 26, 11, I punished them all in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. Wait again. I compelled them to blaspheme, to, to deny Jesus Christ being God. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even to strange foreign cities. Uh, he was not at all ashamed of what he was doing, what he thought for God. 
He had great zeal for God, but it was misdirected. He was sincere, but he was sincerely wrong. Have you met anybody like that in your life today? People maybe you work with, people at school, people at, uh, maybe in your family, friends that you have, co-workers, that uh, they are sincere about what they believe, but they are sincerely wrong. They're not believing what the Word of God says. Brother Andrew this morning was speaking about Bolivia and the many and Catholicism there that, that are starch believers in what the traditions have been taught, but they don't know what the Word of God says about the Lord Jesus Christ. And even in the most simple things in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ said, I am the only way to get to heaven. And it's not Jesus Christ and anything else. It is only faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So <clears throat> Paul is sharing here about uh, his past life and, and what he had done and how misdirected it had been and how wrong that he was. And he shared that he was a blasphemer. As I said, he speaks evil against God. Paul denied the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ and enforced others to deny it as well, as I said, and compelled them to blaspheme. He was a persecutor, one that uh, would take the physical or emotional power to try to destroy one's belief. We've got that going on today. It may be either again at work or at school in colleges. We may have it as friends, uh, even family members, that may try to say or do things to cause you to doubt what you have been taught to cause you to doubt your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, cause you to doubt that, that Jesus Christ alone is all that you need. Sometimes they go as far as trying to make you think that you are foolish to believe such things. We need to understand that this is not new. Paul was a blasphemer, he was a persecutor, he was dangerous. The idea there is a haughty man throwing his weight around in violence. You know what we call that today? A bully. Uh, that's kind of what he was uh, spiritually speaking. He was trying to bully people into denying the Lord Jesus Christ and to not following the way anymore of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> this Paul did, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, Saul get breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and desired to give letters to Damascus, uh, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. That's what Paul, Saul, did in his zeal that was misdirected. He was a blasphemer, a persecutor, injurious. Note the basic causes of Paul's godless behavior, according to verse 13. It was these three things, but I obtained mercy because I did it how? Ignorantly in unbelief. Ignorance and unbelief. The same was said by the Lord Jesus Christ of those that crucified him. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They're ignorant 
to what they're doing. They thought, but they were wrong. And there are many people today in the world that think that they're doing the right thing. They think that they're believing the right thing, but they're misinformed. And their faith is misdirected. Faith by itself is no good. It's faith in the right thing and the right person that makes the difference. But faith for faith's sake does not cut We must have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and who he is and what he has done for us. Even though Saul was well educated, his mind was blinded to the truth of what Jesus Christ, who truth Jesus Christ was and what he had done. In 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4, the scriptures tell us that, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, little g, the little God of this world, the devil, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine into them. There are many people today that are blinded spiritually. They cannot see to understand who Jesus is and what he's done for them. They get hung up on the traditions of men. They get hung up on good works. They get hung up on I'm too bad or I'm in this too late or I don't deserve to be saved. They get hung up on all these different things. And they do not see the truth of what Jesus is trying to share. The very reason he came was to save their soul. That's why Jesus came into this world. That's why he died on Calvary's cross. Not for anything that he had done, but he died there to pay the ultimate sacrifice for our sin. All of it is what he died for. He was very religious, but he was not right with God. We need to understand that this illustrates so many of our friends that we know in this world today, what Paul used to be, our great need for God's grace. Notice Paul, how he got saved. Um, verses 13 and 14. How could God forgive and save such a self-righteous, terrible sinner as Paul? The end of verse 13, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. I obtained what? Mercy. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Did you notice the four words that I emphasized? Four key words that are so important for us to understand how a man such as Saul of Tarsus, God could have saved. Mercy is similar to grace. Mercy is God not giving to us the judgment that we deserve. Do you know that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? Every one of us are sinners. Every one of us deserve to die and go to hell for all eternity. That's what we deserve. But God, when He saves us, in His mercy, He does not give us what we deserve. Aren't you glad that you don't get what you deserve? In the place His grace 
is divine is he gives us good that we don't deserve. Aren't you glad that God extends to us his grace so undeserving by us? What is it that we don't deserve that is good from God? It's called R&R. &R. I'm not talking about rest and relaxation either. But remission and righteousness. Remission, we've been studying about it on Sunday nights with our Bible study in Hebrews. Remission is not just forgiveness, but it's the included in the total removal of sin. Hebrews chapter 10 says that the law and keeping the law and all of its sacrificial system that was there in place, it could never take away sin. But Jesus Christ, when he died once on Calvary and was buried and rose again the third day, by his death there, he paid the price of all sin for all people for all time. Jesus paid it all. We sang it out of the water. Not only did he remove our sin debt, remission, but he deposited to our account righteousness. The righteousness of Jesus Christ. So that when I got saved, God the Father looked at Brandon Blackwell and he said, you know, that's such a good boy down there. Boy, he deserves to come on up here and live with me. I know one day he'll, he'll even be a, a preacher for me. No. There was nothing lovely about me. There was nothing that deserved God's goodness in my life. I deserved hell. Still do. Apart from God's mercy and God's grace in my life. In God's grace, He removed my sin and He deposited the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So now when God the Father looks at Randy Blackwell, He doesn't see the sin of Randy Blackwell. It's gone. It's moved and removed as far as the east is from the west. But He sees the righteousness of His Son, Jesus Christ. And based upon that alone, I'm worthy of God's heaven. That's the only way that anybody will ever get a step in the foot into the heaven. It's by receiving Jesus Christ, having their sins removed, and having the righteousness of Christ deposited. Then they're ready to go to heaven. Otherwise, we'll never make it on our own. No matter how good we made it. Mercy, grace. Then, by the way, Paul said that his grace was exceeding abundant grace. You know that word, uh, seeing abundant, comes from the Greek word hyper. We get hyper. It was hyper grace. It was more grace than it was necessary. Abundant grace. And faith. The only way to access the, the remission and righteousness is by faith. In Ephesians 2, 8, For by grace are you saved through faith and that, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And then the next verse is not a work, so it's going to manage your boast. It is access by faith. We are to believe. Faith is just believing God. What am I to believe? Well, Romans 3, 23, according to a while ago, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
Every one of us, we've not made, we've not lived perfectly. We cannot live perfectly. We're sinners. I am to believe I'm a sinner. Number one. The second thing I'm to believe that God tells us is Romans 6.23. For the wages of my sin is death. The wages, the penalty of my sin is death. I've got to die, not just physically, but spiritually, and be separated from God and all of His goodness in a place called hell and the lake of fire for all eternity. That's the penalty. But I'm smiling because the good news, that's what gospel is, the good news of the gospel is the next thing you would believe like we sang a while ago, is Jesus paid it all. Yeah. Woo! Jesus Christ paid the penalty for all of my sin, for all of your sin, and not just for our sin, but for the sin of the entire world. That's what the Scripture says. That's what we're believing. In 1 John 2.2, 2, it says, He is the propitiation. The word propitiation will seem to be satisfactory. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. He is the propitiation, the satisfaction. His death, burial, and resurrection, the payment that he made for sin, satisfied the holy and just God in his demand of a payment. And it wasn't just satisfactory for Randy Blackwell. It wasn't just satisfactory for Robbie or for Ed or for Earl. But it was satisfied everybody, all people in the world. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Praise the Lord for what he did. Now, how we access it, the Bible tells us. The last thing we must believe. We must believe that we have got to choose to receive Jesus' payment in order for it to be ours. It doesn't just automatically happen. It doesn't just come by believing in God all my life. I've heard some people say, you know, are you saved? Well, I believed in God as long as I can remember. I didn't ask you that. You see. I'm not asking if you're a church member. I'm not asking if you've been baptized. I'm not asking you if you're trying to live a good life. All of those things are important. But you're trying to put the, the cart before the horse. The first thing that needs to take place is your salvation. And when we realize that we have a need, I am a sinner, and I am under the death and judgment of God in my life, but Jesus Christ paid it all, and all I need to do is by faith receive what he did as my payment of sin. It is the gift of God, the eternal life that he promises. And like with any gift, you just receive it. It's our choice to do. John uh, chapter 1 and verse 12, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, the children of God, even that believe, those that believe on his name. We can become a child of God. I'm adopted, we sing. 
I'm a child of the king. Praise God for those of us that have seen the truth. Satan's blindness has been broken. And we've seen our need and we believe it. And we've seen the truth that Jesus paid it all. And then we simply make the choice to receive Jesus Christ as our payment. That's what salvation is. Mercy, grace, faith, and it's all because of love. All because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him was a believe, we just covered it, hath everlasting life. Shall not perish, it says, in hell is talking about. But we'll have eternal life with God in heaven. What God has given, his mercy, his grace, his faith, and his love, that's how the apostle, that's how Saul got saved. And if God's mercy and grace, if God's uh, love for him was enough to, to save Saul, then it's enough to save any of us. Jesus Christ paid it all. Also in verse 15 it says, this is a faithful saying. That uh, expression is used several times throughout the Pauline epistles, the pastoral epistles especially. It emphasizes the truth it's connected to. Here's the truth. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Number one, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Number two, of whom I am chief. Two things to emphasize there. He came to the world. The purpose of Jesus Christ coming to the world was to save sinners. Into the world, the world of humanity. God so loved the world, people, lost people. He had compassion upon them. The purpose of Jesus Christ coming to the world was to save sinners. Over in John, uh, excuse me, John chapter 3. In verse 18. Some of these verses y'all are very familiar with. But verse 18 he says, He that believeth on him, on Jesus, is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. S-O-N, Jesus Christ. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Abideth in the present tense. It continues to abide on him. We're born into this world condemned already. If we do not make any choice to receive Jesus Christ while we're alive in this world, once we die visibly, it's too late. Once we continue to reject and reject and reject and reject until our palace heart will not hear anymore, it's too late. Once the Holy Spirit of God quits dealing with us, it's too late. That's why when God is opening your ear to hear and you say, maybe that's what I need, then don't push that aside. Decide right then that you want to pursue that. And you want to make sure that you have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether you're a young person in here or whether you're the oldest person in here, it does not matter. Don't push aside God's love for you that is opening your ears to hear your need for salvation. He has made it available to you. That's why 
He loved the world so he could give his only begotten Son. Verse 17, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The purpose of Jesus Christ's coming. Secondly, we see the insignificance of the extreme lost condition. And Paul said, right there, uh, of whom I am chief. He came to save sinners of whom I am chief. I am the chief of sinners. I persecuted the church. I persecuted those following Jesus Christ. Even Jesus said to him on the Damascus Road, He said, Why persecute thou me? I don't think anything else that a person could ever do in this world would ever top the sin of persecuting Jesus Christ himself. That's why Paul knew that out of everybody that had ever been born, he was the worst of all sinners. And yet God, in his mercy and grace, saved him. The insignificance of this extreme lost condition. No sinner has ever sinned too bad. No sinner has ever sinned too long for God to save them. What did Paul become? Now verse uh, 12 says, I thank Jesus, Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. God's grace turned the persecutor into a preacher. He turned the murderer into a minister and a missionary. The change was so dramatic that the Jerusalem uh, church thought it was a trick to try to get close to him so they, they could find out who was, was really a Christian there. God, verse 12, Lord Jesus Christ gave Paul his ministry. Since he counted him and judged him faithful, putting him into the ministry, even the, the ignorant opposition that he had, he lived faithful with the life that he had. He thought he was doing right. He was sincere. He was just sincerely wrong. God does not count sincerity when we're sincerely wrong. We have got the good news, the right, the truth that Jesus Christ has given us. He enabled him, he says, who have enabled me. It is God that enables us to do anything that he calls us to do. Philippians 1.6, so being confident this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He will continue. 1 Thessalonians 5.24, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. I praise the Lord for that. Because God called me into the ministry. A guy that as a teenager I couldn't have stood before anybody without my knees shaking, my voice trembling. I couldn't have read. And yet God took that young man that his mom Wondered if he would ever make it through high school. And he brought him through five years of Bible college. Having learned something 
God is able to help us to do whatever it is He calls us to do. Whatever God is speaking to you about in serving Him, fear not to step out and to do because God is faithful. He will do it through us. Paul not only became a minister, but he became a pattern. Look at verse 16, how it is. For this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to everlasting, uh, to life everlasting. How is he a pattern? None of us got saved like Paul, the apostle, did. We never had an experience on the Damascus Road. We never had experience where there was a bright light that shone and Jesus Christ spoke to us personally and we trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. We've never had an experience like that. We get saved by faith in the Word of God that tells us what Jesus Christ did. Faith comes by hearing, hearing specifically the Word of God. It is Faith in what we hear of God's Word, that we believe our need, we believe God's provision, and we make the choice to receive it. That's how we get saved. There's not a person in here that got saved a different way. If he did, he get saved. It is only by believing that you're a sinner, by believing in Jesus Christ paid for your sin, and by making the choice to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the only way anybody and get saved. So how is he an example? And the answer I believe is he is a pattern uh, as the chief of sinners. He is the one that is proof that God's grace can save and change anybody if it can do him. And it did. It can change and save and change any sinner if we're willing to by faith receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. I don't know how to make it any clearer of what Jesus Christ has done and what we are in our need. If you're sitting here today and you have never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ or you're concerned and, and you think, I'm not sure if I have, why take the chance of getting in your car and being in an accident and finding yourself in eternity and you're not even sure your relationship with God. Make sure today. Make sure today. Our time is about gone. Paul also gives a conclusion in, in the doxology. He started off with Thanksgiving, he ends with the doxology. Uh, he talks about uh, now unto the king, eternal, immortal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, the honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So be it. I could take the time and talk about each one of those words, but our time doesn't allow it. But he is the only wise God. He is the only one. Isaiah 44, 6. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, the Lord is the word Jehovah, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord Jehovah, uh, Jehovah of hosts. I am the first, I am the last, and besides me there is no God. That's 
God speaking. That's the truth. He is the only one deserving of honor and glory forever and ever. Over in Revelation 5, verses 11 and 12, it says, Behold, I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beast and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. He is the only one deserving. Amen. So be it. So for each one of us here, Christian, those of you that know that you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, do you bring honor and glory to God by the way you live, by the way you speak, by what you speak about? Do you give praise to your great God in front of others? Has God judged you to be faithful? Putting you in the ministry of some sort, service. Just a minute, you'll hear about opportunities of service. God wants to give us those opportunities. Has He called you into some ministry to teach and to serve in any capacity? If He does, He will enable you to do it. If you're here today and you're without Christ, or you're concerned whether or not you are, Understand that there's no sinner too sinful. There's no one that is too bad. There's no one that's been too bad for too long. I visited a man in the hospital some years ago. He was quite of an age. The doctors had told him that he didn't have much time to live. And I asked him if I could share with him how I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I, I sought to lead him unto the Lord. And the word he said to me is, Pastor, I don't think I deserve to be saved. What he was saying is, I've lived all my life. I've heard about church. I've heard about Jesus. And, and I've rejected and rejected. And now I'm on my deathbed. It's not right. I don't deserve a chance to get saved now at this point. And I told him he's right. You don't deserve to get saved. But when I was 13, I didn't deserve to get saved either. But God so loved me that he gave his son. And he loves you too. There's no sin and there's no sinner that's too great for God to save. But today is the day of salvation. Right now is that choice before you. There's no guarantee of that tomorrow. James chapter 2 and verse 10 says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. You know what that means? Relatively speaking, I could be a very good person 
and have kept God's law completely except for one sin. And God says, one, how many times you got to lie to be a liar? How many times you got to sin to be a sinner? God says, you can sin just one time and you're guilty of all. If I am guilty of all, how can anybody be a bigger sinner than me? Or you. You see, it takes that out of the equation. There is no sin too many. There is no sins that are too many. And there is no time that is too long until God is working in your heart or death takes place. And that is too late. It's appointed unto man wants to die, but after that, there's the judgment. And we need to make ready while God is dealing with our heart now. And I pray that if that's you, that you would be willing to say, Lord, I want to make sure my salvation today. Will you do that? Every head bowed, please. No one looking around.